Hey, this is Russ DeVos, former pastor, church planter, sales rep, and wrestling coach, and serving currently as a men's spiritual and personal productivity coach. And I want to welcome you to The Wrestling Room, a podcast where we open the Bible and tackle head-on the challenging issues that you and I wrestle with every day. Always asking and answering the most important question, what does God have to say about this? So join me now as we jump into the scripture. Welcome back to the wrestling room. I just got back from a prayer walk. It is cold here in Seattle. And I haven't made a fire in my office yet this morning, so it's actually 48 degrees in here. So I'm bundled up like an Eskimo, but I am excited to share from the word. The last few days, uh, the Holy Spirit has been sharing a verse with me. I've been squeezing the juice out of this verse, and I have five things that I want to share with you out of this particular verse in scripture that are just nuggets. And I'm going to make it short and sweet, and then I'm going to bundle everything up, and I'm going to wrap it in a bow by reading a story to you that is so impactful and so powerful. I read this story years ago, but it has impacted me to this very day. So hang with me. If you are not encouraged, if you are not fired up by the end of this, if your spirit isn't raised, then friend, I don't even know what to tell you. So I want to give you the background of what I'm going to share share with you. And it's simply this. The other day I went out on a prayer walk and, and uh, we're ministering to some people with some pretty heavy needs. Uh, and so I walked out into the street and began my, my circuit, my loop, and my spirit was heavy and all that's going on in the world, of course, uh, makes it even heavier. And my prayer walk deteriorated into essentially a shouting match with the demons, <laughs> uh, for what it's worth. And and it was really uh, pretty counterproductive. And in the middle of all of that, the Spirit of God just exploded my brain with a verse that I'd memorized years ago, probably when I was just a child, five or six years old, James 5.16. And it simply says this, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's the King James Version. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I want to share with you five nuggets, five powerful points that, that the Holy Spirit has been teaching me. I'm sure there's a lot more, but I've got five I want to share with you. Now, who wrote this verse? I, want, I think it's important to understand who wrote this, this statement. This statement was written by James. James was the half-brother of Jesus. He was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. That church was under persecution. That church was in the fire. And James was leading this church through this persecution. And he had come to be affectionately known as Old Camel Knees because his prayer life was so powerful that he spent so much time on his knees such that he developed calluses on his knees. So James talking about effective praying is like Michael Jordan talking about taking game, winning shots, or, or dunking the basketball. He is an authority on this figure. So friends, what we squeeze out of this verse, you can guarantee is the truth. So I'm going to share five things with you. Number one, we are not victims. We are not victims. There is something that we can do to make a significant difference in the world that we live in, no matter how dark it is. It is so interesting to me that there are, there are so many people in this time that we're living in that say there's nothing we can do about what's going on. 
even many believers. I've even thought that. What can I do? There's nothing I can do. Friends, I want to tell you, we are not victims. There is a lot that we can do. And in this verse, it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. That is the word energeo. It's a word from which we get our word energy. And friends, what this verse is saying is this. <laughs> when you begin to pray, you enter a zone where the energy of heaven is released. The very energy of heaven is released. And this word is translated accomplishes. What does that mean? <laughs> when we begin to pray, work begins to get done. Things get done. Things begin to change. You and I have a nuclear, spiritual nuclear warhead when it comes to prayer. <laughs> There is much that we can do. We are not victims of an oppressive world. We don't have to live in self-pity. We don't need to go into defensive mode. Friends, when Jesus said to his disciples, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Here's the summary of that verse. Satan is in trouble. That's the summary. Satan, Satan is in trouble. You and I, God has given to us access to the very energy of heaven that accomplishes work. It gets work done. Friends, it moves mountains. <laughs> it opens blind eyes. It softens hearts. It pulls and draws prodigals out of the pig pen, clears their minds, and brings them back to the Father's house. Energeo, the energy of heaven. We're not victims. We're not victims. Number two, though, my life has the ability to be lived in the miracle zone. The miracle zone. Not only am I not a victim, I have the ability and the potential to live in a place of incredible miracles. It says it accomplishes. The prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. That is the word palus. From where we get our word polytheistic or polygamous, many gods, many wives. It means much, many, numerous, abundant, weighty. But it also means repeated and continuous. And by implication, here's what it means. There is a potential for every single person who follows the Lord Jesus, who has the spirit of the living God living inside of them. Their body is a vessel of the Holy Spirit. You have the potential to live in a place, not just of defensive victimitis and self-pity and what, I, what can I do, but completely opposite, to live in a miracle zone with a flow, a mighty river of answers to prayer constantly, repeatedly, continually of all sorts, shapes, and sizes. I heard a story of a little Anglican priest years ago in England and he was being uh, attacked in, verbally by an atheist. And the atheist says, you Christians, you're always talking about answers to prayer. All those answers to prayer are just coincidences. Well, the humble, the humble little priest looked at the atheist and he said, you may be right. But he said, what I found is the more I pray, the more coincidences I have. <laughs> I love that. Friends, listen to me. Here is the formula if you want it. <laughs> The more prayer, the more coincidences. The more prayer, the more coincidences. Because our praying accomplishes 
much. <laughs> Repeated, continually, weighty, abundant, great, mighty, much. God's plan for us is to be a river, a flowing, mighty river of answers to prayer, not just a trickle out of the tap. Friends, there are too many of us believers. We are such lightweights when it comes to our praying. God didn't intend for us to be lightweights. He has given us a resource. I believe when Scripture says in the book of Revelation, He will wipe every tear from our eyes, it, it is very possible that some of that will be due to the fact that we see the potential that we had as followers of Jesus, as representatives of Jesus on this planet. And he reveals to us somehow the warehouse, the, man, the, 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 the storehouse of unanswered prayer. Mighty things, plenteous things, huge things that never happened because we never engaged this spiritual nuclear warhead. We never prayed. We just had a trickle out of the tap. Friends, whatever we put into the pipeline comes out the other end. And if we have a trickle, it means we're only putting in a trickle. What does your prayer pipeline look like? Is it a flowing, gushing river, or is it just a trip, trickle? God's intention is it that it would be a flowing, rushing river. We have the potential. I have the potential. You have the potential to live in a miracle zone of answered prayer. Much praying, many coincidences. But number three, my praying must have an attitude to it. My praying must have an attitude to it. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I heard a story years ago about D.L. Moody, uh, an evangelist. He was just a, a, a shoe salesman who got saved and God got a hold of his heart. And he was speaking in a church and before the meeting started, the building was packed with people. They asked one of the leaders of the church to stand up and open in prayer. Well, this guy got up and he began to drone on and on, this pious, long, religious drone. And, and D.L. Moody, full of the Spirit, full of fire, got, got just tired of it. And he interrupted the prayer and he just said, Amen, let's get started. Listen, the kind of praying that accesses the energy of heaven and allows me to enter the miracle zone is not religious droning, friends. It is prayer with an attitude. It is prayer that has sweat dripping off of it and the fire of the Holy Spirit in it, fueling it. Jesus gave a story of the woman in Luke 18 who is to be our model, our role model for prayer. He prefaced this story by, by saying to the disciples, I'm teaching you this so that you will not quit praying that you ought to pray at all times and not faint. And then he told about this little Tasmanian devil of a woman who is being treated unjustly. So she goes to the justice system, to the judge in her town and says, judge, you got to defend me. But he didn't want to do it. He didn't like her. He didn't like anybody. He was an evil man. But she just kept coming back. Six o'clock in the morning, she's banging on his door day after day after day after day, rousting him out of bed, saying, you got to help me. And finally, Jesus tells the story. The judge says, listen, I don't like you and I don't fear God, but I'm sick and tired of you banging on my door. So I'm going to go to go to defense for you. And he took care of her issue. And Jesus says to his disciples, essentially, that is your role model in prayer. She is your role model. This little woman had an attitude. She was chippy. She was passionate. She was persevering. And I love this word. She was pugnacious. 
Brothers and sisters, we've got to be pugnacious in prayer. Pugnacious in prayer. The word for prayer here is the word deasis. It means you seek, you keep on seeking. You knock, you keep on knocking. You ask, you keep on asking. You long for, you beg for, you plead for, and you, your praying is with conviction. This word pugnacious, I love it. I've got to give you the definition. It means having a combative nature, aggressive, chippy, feisty, scrappy. I go to my sister and brother-in-law's house and they have a dog, Emmy. She's a golden retriever and she loves to retrieve things, but she also loves to play tug of war. And she has this Frisbee. And I'll grab the Frisbee in my two hands. She'd grab it in her mouth. And we have this tug of war. And I tell you, this girl, this dog loves me. <laughs> I'm one of her favorites, I think. That's what I'm told anyway. But man, when we get in this tug of war, she bares her teeth. She starts to growl. And you'd never know she loved me. Friends, I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, recommend to you that our praying <laughs> needs to be like that tug of war with, with Emmy. It, there's some baring of teeth and some growling that needs to go on. God welcomes that. The, the root word in the Greek for diasis, the word used for prayer, he has the word deo, and it means to bind together or to fasten together. <laughs> and this is the picture of Jacob when he was desperate, knowing his whole family was going to be wiped out by his angry, evil brother. He wrestled with God. He bound himself to God. He fastened himself to God. And he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. In a sense, he bared his teeth and was growling. And the Lord loved it. And he blessed him. And he changed his name. And he gave him a, a heritage and a history that remains to this day. He's one of the foundational fathers of our faith. So our praying friends has got to have an attitude to it. It's got to be chippy, scrappy, aggressive. And the Lord loves it because he loves it when we come and we wrestle with him over prayer. When we claim his promise and said, Lord, you've said this, now I'm holding you to it. That's the kind of prayer that releases the energy of heaven and thrusts us into a miracle zone where we have coincidences happening day in and day out, day in and day out. But fourthly, this is the fourth thing the Lord showed me. My heart must be obedient and undivided if I want to live in this miracle zone, or if I want to release this, this energy from heaven. It says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, a righteous woman. That's the word dikaios in the, in the, in the Greek. What he's saying is the pipeline of this prayer, the pipeline of these answers to prayer needs to be a pure and clean vessel. Oh, the Lord is showing me this in a dramatic, dramatic way as he's weeding things out of my life to clean the pipeline, to enlarge the pipeline. This word righteous has several, two different connotations I'll share with you. Number one, just simply unquestioning obedience to God's laws. We obey him, we trust him, and we obey him. Guys, all throughout scripture, from start to finish, this word obedience is paramount. It's paramount. It's not optional. We obey God. Righteous people obey God. They don't obey him when they feel like it, and they don't obey him when they don't feel like it. They obey the Lord. But the other sense of righteousness is the sense of loyalty. 
loyalty to God. In the book of Proverbs, there's this contrast between wickedness and righteousness. And I did a word study in the Hebrew on righteousness. And if you reach through the rib cage and into the heart of a righteous man, it's pumping with loyalty. It's an undivided heart. It's a heart that says you and you only. You're on the throne of my heart. Nothing else, no one else. It's undivided loyalty and unquestioned obedience. Friends, when your pipeline is clean like that, I'm going to tell you something. Energy from heaven. You will be thrust into the miracle zone. Your prayers will accomplish much. In James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, the Lord is saying through James again, he says, to the man who, is, who has little faith, he says, don't ask for anything from the Lord if, you have a, if you're double-minded, meaning you have divided alliances. Your foot is in the world, your foot is in the church. You love Jesus one moment, you love the world another moment. He's on the throne one second, but then something else is on the throne. It's waffling back and forth, blown with every wind. He says, don't think that man, that woman will receive anything from the Lord. They are double-minded, unstable in all their ways. Friends, when you decide to serve Jesus with an undivided heart, with unquestioning obedience, there is a stability. There is a rock-like nature that enters into you. There is a weight that enters into you. And friends, listen to me. That kind of person, here's, here's what 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says, the eyes of the Lord are moving back and forth all throughout the earth, looking for men and women whose hearts are completely his. Why? So that he may put his full weight of authority behind them. His full weight of authority behind them. He's looking for people with undivided hearts, people with pure hearts, people with loyal hearts, people who obey him unquestioningly. And that's the fourth thing the Lord showed me. But number five, number five, God has given me everything I need to live this way. I think even as I'm speaking, there are people saying that's for the super spiritual, that's for the pastors, that's for the real religious, those are the, you know, born in a Christian family, raised in the church. No, <laughs> everyone has access to this. Everyone listening, everyone who calls on the, na the name of the Lord Jesus has access to this energy from heaven, this miracle, miracle zone of power. He says that the, the Greek version of this verse says this, much can the prayer of a righteous man effectively accomplish. That word can is substantial. It means the extraordinary strength and ability to lay hold of, to possess, and to keep those things that the energy of heaven has released. In other words, what God has promised to us, he's also given us the power to possess, friends. Paul said it this way in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For those of us who know and love Jesus and who are pressing into him, who are taking advantage of this incredible spiritual nuclear weapon that God has given us, that when we pray, by the way, friends, when we pray, the devil has to flee. When we try to live the Christian life in our own flesh, he laughs at us. 
because he knows it's impossible. But when we get empty of ourselves and we begin to cry out to God from a place of weakness and desperation and neediness and we bind ourselves to him and we repent of our sin, we clean out the pipeline, you better watch out and the devil's running. Your life is changing, completely changing. I want to read a story to wrap this up of a man, he's a new believer. He's just a new guy to the kingdom. He's not some big spiritual giant. He's a new guy to the kingdom. Out of this book, uh, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. One of my favorite books by John Ortberg. This story, I read it years ago, and I have never forgotten it. So I'm going to wrap all of this together with this story and be challenged. It, you're going to love this story. Here we go. John writes, It is striking to me how both in scripture and in present day examples, stories of water walking, this is, he's drawing from Peter getting out of the boat and walking on the water out to Jesus. So stories of water walking are almost always stories about prayer. There is something about getting out of the boat that turns people into intense prayers because they are aware they cannot accomplish things without God's help. One of my favorite adventures in prayer involves Doug Coe, who has a ministry in Washington, D.C. that all mostly involves people, mostly involves people in politics and statecraft. Doug became acquainted with Bob, an insurance salesman who is completely unconnected with any government circles. Bob became a Christian and he began to meet with Doug to learn about his new faith. Now, one day Bob came in all excited about the statement in the Bible where Jesus says, Ask whatever you will in my name and you shall receive it. Is that really true, Bob demanded? Doug explained, well, it's not a blank check. You have to take it in context of the teachings of the whole scripture on prayer. But yes, it is really true. Jesus really does answer prayer. Great, Bob said. Then I got to start praying for something. I think I'll pray for Africa. <laughs> That's kind of a broad target. Why don't you narrow it down to one country, Doug advised. All right. I'll pray for Kenya. Uh, do you know anyone in Kenya? Doug asked. No. You ever been to Kenya? No. Bob just wanted to pray for Kenya. So Doug made an unusual agreement, an unusual arrangement. He challenged Bob to pray every day for six months for Kenya. If Bob would do that and nothing extraordinary happened, Doug would pay him $500. But if something remarkable did happen, Bob would pay Doug $500. And if Bob did not pray every day, the whole deal was off. It was a pretty unusual prayer program, but then Doug is a creative guy. So Bob began to pray, and for a long while, nothing happened. <laughs> that's, that's very important to understand that. For a long while, nothing happened. Then one night... <laughs> Highlight, underline, bold, exclamation points. Then one night, he was at a dinner in Washington. The people around the table explained what they did for a living. One woman said she helped run an orphanage in Kenya, the largest of its kind. Well, Bob saw $500 suddenly sprout wings and begin to fly away. But he could not keep quiet. Bob roared to life. He had not said much up to this point, but now he pounded her relentlessly with question after question. Finally, she asked, you're obviously very interested in my country. You've been to Kenya before? No. You know someone in Kenya? No. Then how do you happen to be so curious about Kenya? Well, 
someone is kind of paying me $500 to pray. <laughs> well, she asked Bob if he would like to come visit Kenya and tour the orphanage. Well, Bob was so eager to go, he would have left that very night if he could. Now, when Bob arrived in Kenya, he was appalled by the poverty and the lack of basic health care. Upon returning to Washington, he couldn't get this place out of his mind. He began to write to large pharmaceutical companies, describing to them the vast need that he had seen. He reminded them that every year they would throw away large amounts of medical supplies that went unsold. Why not send them to this place in Kenya, he asked. And some of them did. This orphanage received more than a million dollars worth of medical supplies. The woman called Bob up and said, Bob, this is amazing. We've had the most phenomenal gifts because of the letters you wrote. We'd like to fly you back over and have a big party. Will you come? So Bob flew back to Kenya. And while he was there, the president of Kenya came to the celebration because it was the largest orphanage in the country, and he offered to take Bob on a tour of Nairobi, the capital city. In the course of the tour, they saw a prison. Bob asked about a group of prisoners there. They're political prisoners, he was told. Well, that's a bad idea, Bob said brightly. You should let them out. Well, Bob finished the tour and flew, flew back home. Sometime later, Bob received a phone call from the State Department of the United States government. Is this Bob? Yes. Were you recently in Kenya? Yes. Did you make any statements to the president about political prisoners? Yes. What did you say? I told him he should let them out. The State Department official explained that the department had been working for years to get the release of these prisoners, but to no avail. Normal diplomatic channels and political maneuverings had led to a dead end, but now the prisoners had been released, and the State Department was told that it had been largely because of Bob. So the government was calling to say thanks. Several months later, the president of Kenya made a phone call to Bob. He was going to rearrange his government and select a new cabinet. Would Bob be willing to fly over and pray for him for three days while he was working on this very important task? So Bob, who was not politically connected at all, boarded a plane once more and flew back to Kenya where he prayed and asked God to give wisdom for the leader of the nation as he selected his government. All this happened because one man got out of the boat. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, gets much work done. And he ends by saying this, how about you? What are you praying for? And that is the question I want to end with. What are you praying for? What are you praying for? Friends, these nuggets are for you as much as they are for me. I am squeezing the juice out of this verse. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to pour this so deeply into me that it changes me, it moves me. I want to live in the miracle zone. I want to make a difference. I want to be light that pierces the darkness. I want the people around me to see Jesus. We have a short amount of time left on this planet. We have got to maximize it. The world is spewing filth and deception and lies like a fire hose at us. We've got to come back at them with the purity and the power and the presence and the answers to prayer and the energy of heaven for their life, for their eternal life. That's all I've got for you today. May the Lord challenge you with this good word. 
Lord bless you. See you next time on The Wrestling Room. Bye-bye. Hi friends, Russ here again, and I wanted to let you know that Catalyst Ministries and The Wrestling Room is a registered 501c3 nonprofit. So if you'd like to support this ministry, you are welcome to click on the link just below in the comments section, or you can go to my YouTube homepage, The Wrestling Room, and click on the button, Support This Ministry. Thank you so much, and God bless you guys. Thanks for joining me this week in the wrestling room. If you were blessed and challenged by this teaching, please support us by sharing with family and friends and leaving a rating and review. That would be so helpful. Also make sure to visit my website, The Catalyst at www.catalystcoachinghq.com to learn about my program for men called Foundations 101. I am literally watching men's spiritual lives personalize their marriages and families completely turn around as they go through this program. I'd love for you to check it out. That was www.catalystcoachinghq.com. And finally, if you'd like to watch these messages in video, you can check out my YouTube channel by entering The Wrestling Room in the YouTube search bar. Again, thanks so much for joining me today in The Wrestling Room. We'll see you in the next episode. Mm -hmm.